I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to Queen Pod. We are on a mission to bring you a companion piece to the entire Queen back catalogue, track by track, album by album. And incredibly, the band are very kindly letting us play all their music, which makes us the only podcast on earth with Queen playing all the way through it. However, we do need your support. So if you are in a position to do that, kindly pop over to patreon.com forward slash Queen Pod to find out how. Over to you, Fred. Welcome to the Queen Pod, hashtag PQL. What does that mean? It means play Queen Loud. It's what we love to do here. So, like some mother-in-law in a nylon tights, it's comedian vocalist, Suze Kempner. Hello. Crackle, crackle. That's what nylon tights do. <laughs> great. Great. Laddering. That's what I know about that. Right. Yeah. He's all dressed up like a lady. It's Queen filmmaker Simon Lupton. Oh. How come you behave this way, hey, Simon? Absolutely. It's lovely to be here. Well, he just can't be a prick teaser all of the time. It isn't comedian and bod- podcaster John Robbins, for he is away, but he will be back very soon, I can assure you. So, in a way, he is, he is a prick teaser. That didn't work. Okay, so, <laughs> it started off so well, but I'm your host, Ro, and I can tell you, that won't last. So, <laughs> let's get into this podcast. We are looking at side B of the game today. Hooray! Ooh. This is good times, isn't it? Yeah, very much. Oh, Rock yeah. solid piece of Queen. Uh, but before we get into all of that, we do have a Patreon. We do need your support. Uh, if you go along to patreon.com forward slash QueenPod, you can find out how to get involved and support us. We do give you f- lovely things. It isn't much to subscribe, but you don't have to subscribe. If you just think, oh, do you know what? I just fancy chucking them a, a fiver or whatever the equivalent <laughs> currency is of a fiver, wherever you're listening from. You can do that as a little one-off thing on that page as well. It's worth doing. Um, it means the world to us and it, it enables us to keep making episodes. It's quite important. <laughs> so one of the lovely things that we get out of that uh, for you, uh, in addition to ad-free episodes and all the rest of it, is you get a little shout-out on the pod. And today, it is my great honour to thank our dear Patreon, Michelle S. Kurlander. Suze, have you got a thanksy? I'd like to say a big old thank you to Ainsley Doignan. Thanks very much for listening to Queen Pod and supporting us, Ainsley Doignan. Yeah, yeah we hope we're pronouncing that right. It could be Doignan, we're not sure. Simon. You have a mighty thanks. I do have a mighty thanks for this week's prime jiver, uh, who I think has definitely rocked Ooh. it as far as I'm concerned. Oh, see what I did there? Yeah. Oh, come on. I'm on the game. Oh, uh, that is huge. <laughs> Chris Lee. Thank you, Chris Lee. You are Chris Lee. the prime jiver. She's fantastic. I think we've seen a lot of these guys on Listen With Row and stuff like that. They're very, very supportive. 
um, which is wonderful. So get involved. That's the stuff. Patreon.com forward slash Queen Pod. That's where you want to go to get some of that good fun. Imagine. Just imagine hearing your own name on this pod <laughs> and then getting on with your day. All right, so let's get on to the music, shall we? I think it's time for the works. We are now on side B of the game album, which was released on the 30th of June, 1980. It is a mighty side of Queen, which is good things. Simon, have you got any contexty stuff for the side B? Well, uh, 1979 was quite an odd year for Queen. In the After the Live Killers tour, the band, as we know, spent the summer working on some new tracks with Mac at Musicland Studios. Um, however, they didn't keep going until they had finished uh, the album, but instead paused recording to go back out on the road on their crazy tour before returning to Munich in 1980 to complete what would become the game. Um, before I get on to the crazy tour, um, I'd just like to mention that this summer of 1979 is probably one that Roger is keen to forget. Because following in the tradition of how bad luck comes in threes, Roger had his own trio of misfortunes. Would you like to hear them? Oh, yeah. Yes. Good. Otherwise, this would be a short segment. Um, <laughs> number one. In August, Queen agreed to play a one-off festival gig in Germany. On the morning of the show, Roger decided to bleach his hair, which didn't go according to plan. He described oh, it no. as bright, nauseating green, but it was too late to do anything about it. I just had to go on stage with it like that. It was so embarrassing, and Freddie took the piss all night. <laughs> Number two. In early September, Roger went on holiday, which was also an excuse to take out his new toy, a Ferrari, for a proper spin. Uh, while driving flat out down the auto route through France, the engine caught fire. Roger was thankfully unhurt, but the car was a write-off. Not so good. My goodness. Oh, and then so on number three, car, then. on the... <laughs> oh, I see what we did there. On Thanks, the same Simon. holiday... Thank you for appreciating <laughs> my imp- Terrible ones. Don't let me stop you uh, now. On the same holiday, Roger hired a speedboat to take some friends out to a nearby island, which also suffered major engine failure, leaving them drifting for three hours before the Coast Guard came and rescued them. So there you go. Oh my God. Poor Roger. Could you imagine being that Coast Guard person and finding the drummer from Queen on a boat going, <laughs> Why am I here? Why How is here? he still into boats and cars after all that? <laughs> got, yeah, got to learn from those. What mistakes. a legend. What a legend. So, anyway, back to the crazy tour. Um, what's fascinating about this particular tour is that throughout the 70s, Queen had obviously been playing bigger and bigger venues, but now wanted to do something a bit more intimate. Brian said, we had played the big places and although we loved them and felt it was good that more and more people could come and see us, we also felt we were losing touch with the audience. Our whole show was about audience contact. So we got Jerry Stickles to find some small silly venues for us. We wanted places that were different. We played the medium sized places first and then the daft ones and we called it the crazy tour and thoroughly enjoyed it. 
The tour saw Queen play Dublin and Brighton for the first time, return to venues from their early days, such as the Rainbow Theatre and the Hammersmith Odeon, as well as daft venues, such as a nightclub called Tiffany's in Purley. Um, getting the band into these places was no small feat and, given, and gave the tour crew a lot of headaches. For example, playing at the Lyceum Theatre in London required the crew to cut two holes in the ceiling to hang the lights and the PA system. Interestingly, the final night was on Boxing Day in 1979, a charity performance called The Concert for Campuchia, which was filmed and is regarded as one of the band's best filmed performances. If you've ever seen it, it is brilliant. I think this is a really significant tour, as like the Hyde Park Free Concert in 1976, it demonstrated how important the fans were to the band and their desire to put them at the heart of everything they did. The timing was probably crucial as well, um, because the success of the game would propel the band into stadium shows, particularly in South America, and so a tour like the Crazy Tour was never going to happen or be possible again. Whoa, that's some good stuff. There is some good stuff that in there. That is good there? stuff. Good times. Yeah. Yeah. Good times. A real transitional era. Yeah, that was really good, Simon. Really, really good insight, and I think the Crazy Tour was just one of the highlights of their careers, really, wasn't it? I'll always remember yeah, Jim it's, Jenkins it's, saying it was his favourite. And... Absolutely, and I have I had a chance to talk to Brian about it a while ago and he said the danger of it is it becomes very elitist because only so few people can get to go so it sort of becomes a bit of a fight as to who to get gets in um but I think it was a really lovely thing to do and plus the fact it was sandwiched by two massive tours so it's not like people yeah. had to wait long to then see the band and I think yeah. a band sort of taking an opportunity like that to just do something a bit more up close and personal for the fans yeah um, 10 years after they've sort of started is um, it's a major thing to do well the first time I saw them after the Freddie Mercury tribute was at the Brixton Academy which mm. is a tiny venue to see a band like Queen and it was yeah. unbelievable we were just you know me and John Mersey were able to just sort of squeeze our way pretty much I think we were four away from the band you know and it was comfortable as well that's the other thing like when you're with Queen fans at a live gig the vibe's just lovely mm. everyone's just just Everyone has that positive outlook on the way they... I think there's a shared understanding of how Queen fans would like humanity to be. That's Absolutely. About. There's a lovely story, actually, in Jim and Jackie's As It Began book where they, they talk about um, how Save Me sort of made its way onto the uh, the set list for this tour, even though it hadn't been released yet. It hadn't come mm, out, so right. no one had heard it. And, you know, Freddie introduced it as a new song that, you know, will be on the next album. Um and the royal family, which was a you know hardcore group of fans that were going to every show, um, right? One of them managed to record the uh, the save me as as the band played it, went home, transcribed the lyrics, printed it out on loads of sheets, and on the next gig handed it all out to all the royal family. And so when Freddie came to do save me. The, the fans started singing along and Freddie just could not get his head around how on yes. earth all these people wow. knew, knew the words to the song that hadn't been released. And it, and it wasn't wow. until he looked down and um, saw them all holding saw these sheets. The little, uh-huh. the little dim sheets. Yeah. I, think he, I think he called them a bunch of... But anyway. <laughs> what a great story. Love I it. love that. I absolutely love it. I just wanted to pull out, because you mentioned... Um, that of course they were recording with Mac for the first time on this album. We mentioned that uh, mm. on the last pod as well. Uh, and they 
actually recorded this all in Munich, even though I think at, by this point they had bought Montreux. And it was also it was the first time since Queen Two they recorded the entire uh, an entire album in one studio. It's kind of right, cool. right. Um, but Mac had this lovely thing that he said about what it was like working with him, working with them, which was um, well, the Queen credo was this is how we are used to doing things. Um, for instance, editing the songs together on two-inch tape is always a little iffy. Moving edit ends quickly in a tape looking like a zebra crossing, which can cause problems passing the heads and losing top end. All of this good producer speak that I don't really understand. Anyway, Max says, it took a long time convincing the gentleman to entertain the idea of punching in the whole band during tracking. After that proposition went down well and was approved as not too bad, the workflow became much easier. I had the advantage of being a fast decision maker compared to the band. I could always try things while people were pondering delicate details. (laughs) (laughs) Now, now, do we feel that that is targeted at all four of them? Or one of them in particular? I'm just asking the question. <laughs> like Fox News style, I'm just asking the question. <laughs> but I think they were all very meticulous about how they went about their stuff, right? Yeah, oh, 100%. They were all, yeah, they drove each other to sort of try and be better and better. Um, and they would worry over stuff until they were absolutely satisfied. But I do yeah. think there are some members of the band who would <laughs> go, keep going to get where they believed it should be, while the others just gave up and went fine whatever i think one of freddie's favorite you know phrases was get on with it before i forget my own name yeah you know, <laughs> yes. it's a way of just like fine yes. just done finished move on and yet that fastidiousness i think is what has uh has 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 given them their longevity it's the reason why they're as relevant today and Definitely. Uh, their music sounds as fresh today as it ever did. Definitely. All right, let's start talking about music. Let's start talking about music. Let us talk about Rocket Brackets Prime Jive. Now, I have something to say about this song. Uh, it opens the second side. It is a Roger Taylor track. I love it. Uh, it was <laughs> played brilliantly live uh, recently um, uh, on the Outsider Tour, so we'll talk about that in a minute. But producer Sam listened to the game for the first time, I think, last year, and I was encouraging him to listen to it. And can you remember what you said about that moment? I think you were lying in bed with your eyes closed and playing it loud, right? Yeah, yeah. What I said about it when we talked about it was, you know, it's just a beautiful song. It's so lovely. And then it happens. Like it just happens <laughs> because that was because obviously you know I was listening to it on a streaming music service and there's no turning over album sides or anything like mm. that. So I just came out a crazy little thing called Love. It's actually quite almost gentle, very I think beautiful opening of thirty odd seconds. And then it just goes insane, and because it was so loud, right. the difference made a huge difference. It just, yeah, it happened. It's <laughs> the only way and I can describe happened, it. Which is what I love about this track. Listen, why don't we... Uh, I'm going to be a bit indulgent over Rocket Prime Java. I'm going to play two damn clips from this track. Um, but I'd love to play that opening so it can... If you haven't heard Rocket Prime Jive, uh, allow it to happen to you. Here's a little thing. There's a couple of lines where Roger is singing along with Freddie in the opening bit, and I think it's really mm. interesting that happens. He does sing the rest of the song, does Roger, um, and you start hearing some uh, some of the bleeps that kind of uh, inform Radio Gaga in a few years. When I hear that rock and roll 
happened. It happened. It happened. It totally happened. I ain't crazy. I love the way he said crazy. It's how I when I when I made uh, my song Thunder Crush Ridge with Blade. That's how I did the. That's how I did the sound. It was so good. Suze, mm. come on now. Are you a rocket person? I think this song's pretty cool. I don't know um, how much it sounds like a quintessential Queen song. I think there's like elements. There's something quite Brian Ferry about it. Right, um, right. It sounds more so, of its time, perhaps. Yeah. Whereas I find I find the intro more interesting than the when the song happens. Um, <laughs> but is that because Freddie's doing amazing singing all over the? Intro? It is. It is really. Yeah. I mean, it's great. It is great singing, and it's like you say, it's interesting hearing him and um, Roger sing together because that didn't happen that often, where they would mm. literally um, sing a duet. It would normally be one do harmony for the other um and it's interesting him hearing him very much singing in roger's key uh but i feel like i feel like when the song really kicks in it's a toe tapper but it to me it sounds like sort of more roxy music sound than uh, a queen song yeah Yeah, good beats though well roger always had that little what's that good beat (laughs) oh yeah it's got a great beat yeah it's got a great beat hasn't it simon it has got a great bit, yeah. It's a skipper for me, though. Is it? No, of course Are you not. Joking? I, of course I am. God, I'm <laughs> almost going to get a divorce. <laughs> I don't think I've got a single skipper. Oh um, my God. No, I. You've I, never I, been able to trick me like that before. What's <laughs> happening? <laughs> I love this. I absolutely remember so vividly having a similar experience to what Sam did the first time I heard it. You know that yes. what is. What is this? Oh, this is nice. And then what? Uh, you know, as I believe the young yeah. people call it when, you know, when I heard the drop. Um, mm. I think it's fabulous. And I also think it's it's really very cleverly placed on the album, not only because as a, a side opener, it, it's great. But even when you listen to it now uh, on a CD where there is no no break. And so this is just in the middle of the album. When you sort of you've taken people on a journey through songs like Another one bites the dust and crazy little thing called love. I just think it's that that moment in the album they do it on every album where Queen go, oh yeah, we're still a rock and roll band. Don't forget mm. that. Yeah, you know, here we yeah, go. Yeah. This is us. Yeah, and they just yeah. rock out, and it just feels yeah. fun and live and yeah. But definitely that opening singing from Freddie, particularly that moment you mentioned earlier when Roger joins in, just mm. gets me every yes. time. It's just so yeah. good. Yeah, so it's good. goosebumpy. Yeah, it really cuts it through, is, doesn't yeah. it? And Such there's a little hint, isn't there, of what's to come. Terrible. There's a little hint yeah. of what's to come when Freddie just really punches it. What, which line is it? I've there! Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it just, like just really belt. goes, and you go, oh, hello. Yeah. <laughs> what's coming? Yeah, just, just reminding us what he can do. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. there was, apparently, there was a bit of disagreement over who would sing the song. Roger wanted to sing the lead vocal, but Matt wanted Freddie to do it. So two right. versions... Mac, incidentally, was the one playing all the synths on this. Um, oh. And uh, so they recorded two versions, and after hearing both versions, Brian voted for Freddie's, John voted for Roger's, and so the right. final version is a compromise, ah. which is interesting. Oh. Do we know if those versions are out there? They're not out there, right? Pretty sure it's not They're out there. They're hidden away. Um, but, um, so there's something for you to write down and... Try and find. And all those people about... And, 
yeah. see if we can find them because I'd love to see an entire hear an entire Freddy version of Rocket Prime. It'd be very Freddy. different. It would be very different, but I think it really suits Roger's voice. I think. Yeah, it does. That's the thing. It's there's a. I don't mean a metal. I genuinely mean there's a metallic sound to this yeah. entire album. And yeah. this is a this is the song that I often think of first when I think of this album and, and having that metallic sound. And yeah. Roger has got that amazing voice that sounds like a, I don't know, like a Decepticon. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's just awesome. It's just awesome. It really suits the song. It's fantastic. Um, and he did, my goodness, put it in the live set for the Outsider tour, uh, Suze, which oh, you could have seen. Yeah. You could have seen it. So you decided <laughs> to take your job instead. Uh, but Simon, uh, oh my goodness, why is my brain failing me? That amazing drummer that was in... Tyler Warren. Rogers, but Tyler Warren? Yeah. I watched his audition to be in the band on YouTube. I'm like, he he's incredible. Wow. And so he took... So Roger just took a moment to... Um, go off stage do a costume change while they played Rocket and Tyler Warren did the whole song like he was Roger Taylor he just sang Amazing. it and played it and he was and it's the only time I've ever heard it be played live in fact uh-huh. it was only played live in North and South America and Japan during the Game and Hot Space tours so hmm. we were very lucky to hear that stuff yeah. live yeah and he did it great he was amazing wasn't he wasn't mm. he what a band Roger put together for that tour uh, it is awesome it is awesome. Well, I feel like we've covered Rocket Prime Jive, except we haven't talked about how you get down, 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 which is my favourite bit of the song. So I'm going to round out Rocket Prime Jive by saying, We want some Prime Jive! Love it. Whenever anyone says get down, that's what I'm hearing. <laughs> that is specifically what I'm hearing. And oh, and like the way John's bass is going, do, 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 those key changes or whatever that's, that business is. Love that. Mm. Roger's little oh's are amazing. I love that tune to bits. To I've bits. just remembered hearing that bit, actually. I remember making a mixtape for myself yeah. of non-hit <laughs> Queen tracks. Yes. And it opened with that, and I followed it immediately with Tie Your Mother Down. Oh, that's a good choice. 
actually hearing it now that you know get down da, 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 bang wow oh. and you hear entire mother so you listen to that mixtape to death as well yeah it is, yeah good so opening to a mixtape it is Hey guys, producer Sam here, just jumping on to say we're about to discuss the next song on the album, Don't Try Suicide. Now, obviously that song does centre around issues of mental health and suicide, so we also discuss those same themes in some detail. If that's something you think that you'll find difficult to listen to, then use the timecode in the episode description to skip the chat. Alright, that's all from me, now back to the pod. Alright, so the second track on this side of the album is a track called Don't Try Suicide by Freddie Mercury. Uh, I think as a kid, this was maybe the one song, on. well, this was the one song on the album that was a bit of a skipper for me, but I have changed my attitude to it over the years for interesting Mm. reasons we'll get into. But let us listen to uh, this very... Uh, I think, yeah, I think this is a a room splitter, this song, um, for a lot of people. But let's listen to a little bit of it. Um, We all need a bit of help, don't we, Freddie? You need help. Look at yourself, you need help. And I'm going to boogie-woogie towards Sue's here to find out what she legit thinks about this track. <laughs> this song, you could see where body language came from. No. Oh. Musically. Okay. Yeah. When it yeah, starts, you're, right. you're like, oh, yeah, this obviously really influenced body language. Um, I think this song is kind of ridiculous. I don't know what the story is behind it, but it really cracks me up. It's the most <laughs> blasé way of saying, please don't kill yourself, because the reason they have for not doing it is it like don't kill yourself it'll be really annoying for everyone (laughs) but it does that amazing (laughs) queen thing of juxtaposing very very dark lyrics with joyful music um which is the sort of thing they've done in songs like somebody to love it's that times a thousand um yes i don't think they ever could have made this a single no not at all no i think i think this i think this song is like fascinating um 
and it's got a real sense of humour and like <sighs> would be like it's the sort of song that I would show to people and say, listen how, to how wacky this is. It's funny. Right. It's like right. don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the message is don't. kind of fair enough. Don't do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a, a, so, such a strange, such a strange little song. Yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> Simon, are you kind of, where are you with Don't Try Suicide? It's a curious one, isn't it? Um, I don't think anyone would do it now. Um, no. Because uh, we're not really supposed to sort of treat anything like that kind of topic um, whimsically at all but I think the message is is a good one but they yeah mm. it's a really joyful song which is just confusing but um, I think it's great I think it's um, I really enjoy it do it's we know song. what the background of it is no I don't actually and um, no. I, I think we should try and find out a bit more about it it's, it's always hard because if you can't find anything it's normally because the band have never really explained Talked it and that's it. how yeah, they, yeah. that's the kind of the rule they don't really as a rule, go in, into the details of the song. Mm. Um, I think there is a sense of, yeah, don't try suicide. It's not worth it. Just don't. Yeah. Just don't do it. And <laughs> don't that's do a, that. That's a good message. But I don't know if putting it into a jaunty song is something that you could do now. <laughs> that sounds um, like But then language. this was 40 years ago, so. Different. Yes. Mm. Well, 40 years ago, it was, I think, a track that I was, just because I didn't particularly gel with the, that boogie woogie sound that much at that time, but mm. uh, musically, I've grown to appreciate it a lot more. Lyrically, it's been really interesting for me. I'm gonna, I don't know. It's difficult to tackle these subjects without worrying about upsetting people, but I'm only going to talk about it from my personal perspective, which is um, when I was a kid, I sort of got booted out of Oxford University, and as a result, I'm sort of dealing with how am I going to tell my Indian parents I've been kicked out and stuff like that. So I did get to quite a dark place, and. That was the song, weirdly, lyrically, that pulled me, that was part of what pulled me back from a spiral, right? So uh, that message of kind of confronting things head on, I've also um, uh, suffered a suicide with a close family member um, over the last, sort of, uh, within the last half a decade. And it's those moments in life where, weirdly, this song will pop in for me. And it does, ta- lyrically, it actually tackles things kind of head on. It, 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 for me, it, it approaches, it, it acknowledges sort of the anger you feel when someone leaves you in that way. Mm. You're angry with them for it. And that's acknowledged in this song. Uh, and it's also that it voices, it, I've found that it has voiced um, sort of uh, the frustration you're left with. Uh, so it, it's telling you it tells you if you're, if you're in that place where you're starting to you know you, you have to get to a really bad place to, to even start genuinely dealing with these kinds of issues and interestingly lyrically where I think a lot of people think oh it's glib and it shouldn't be like that I actually think it's kind of on point it tackles particular things in the lyrics that really surprise me um, I'm going to actually sort of pick out a couple of examples because I can't just say that without backing it up give me one second yeah it's pretty frank Mm. exactly yeah i think little moments like um this little voice in your head where you like so you think it's the easy way because you're getting into a dialogue with yourself or i am when i'm getting if if i get to these places you know um 
you know, that little internal dialogue you're having with yourself. Do so you think it's the easy way out? Uh, you think you're going to slash your wrist? And then it's like, but when you do it, all you do is get on my tits. And that's actually a really kind of raw and immediate reaction to me. It's very human little beat in that. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and also... You know, these days, the idea of, like, asking for help is now ubiquitous. That message of, if you are in trouble, all you need to do is ask for help, and it will be there for you. Uh, the reason is, you know this, because when friends ask you for help, you're delighted to help them. So if you mm. are in that place and you ask for help, they will be delighted to help you. You don't mm. need to feel ashamed or embarrassed to do that. But very often, the way uh, mental health disease will work is it will remove you from doing that and and there's really interesting notes in this song where I've been in these places in my life those are the moments where lyrics from this song will will pop up and Freddie's voice will pop up and his attitude to this of this isn't worth it you you don't need to do this to yourself you don't need to do this to the people around you life is always worth living it's Mm. such a Freddie sentiment and I think that this is deceptively complex, this song. I think it's deceptively um, insightful. And I think it's all too easily written off as glib, for me personally. The other little thing I will say is, as Sam, <laughs> producer Sam, I'm sorry about this, mate. But as you were sort of, I guess, 10, 11, uh, you were approaching puberty. And I was like, God, the only thing that got me through puberty was Queen. So I started trying to force Queen on Sam. I mean, actually, it was Star <laughs> Trek that got you through all of that, which was great. Great choice, buddy. But... Um, <laughs> From but but music wasn't really a, a thing for you at that age, I think, Sam, as it was for me. And the thing that surprised me was out of all the Queen songs I chucked you, you kind of latched onto Don't Try Suicide. Like, yeah. I was just going to ask you about that. I mean, Dragon Attack and Don't Try Suicide, weirdly, were the two songs around that time I remember going, oh, yes, please, really. And there was a few Mm. other Queen songs, but those two stood out. And I think this one was because of... I, I knew that suicide was sort of a taboo subject. At least it was when I was that age. There wasn't much talk about it. And then there was just a song which just was called Don't Try Suicides and was upbeat in its musical tone. But quite, yeah, frank, like you've been saying, it. it, it you know, it's saying... There's no real metaphor, right? It's just saying yeah. stuff. You know, there's a bit where it just goes, blow your brains out. Like, it's very, yeah. there's some graphic imagery, but it doesn't, it just says it. And that stood out Ooh. to me and was quite refreshing even then. Yeah. And, and I think that's why I latched onto it a little bit. Yeah, you sort of couldn't believe the song existed. Yeah, It kind yeah, of exactly. thrilled you in a way. Yeah, and it tackled things head on in a way that, I, yeah, it's interesting. I, I You know, I get that a lot of people are going to be a bit on the fence about a track like this, but um, as always uh, with Queen music, uh, the tracks that you may be dismissive of, if you give them a second look, you may hmm. find more there than you first thought was. Um, always worth it. It's kind of why we're doing this pod, isn't it? That's right. Yeah, and I think it's because Queen aren't really an issues-based band on the whole. Um, they don't sort of write about political issues or anything. When when they do something like this, it takes people by surprise and people are, are they being, are they being glib? Are they just being silly? And, but what they do write about brilliantly is emotion and feelings and, um, you know, and the dark side of those. And that's this, that's what this is. Yeah. 
And the music is actually, like, if you want to do Boogie, again, Queen decide to do Boogie Woogie and they do it really, really well. Oh, yeah, John, John Deacon. <laughs> they do it really well. John Deacon's knocking it out of the park on this one, for yeah. sure. Yeah, he's having a great album. And that little a cappella bit is, like, nailed on, you know. I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've certainly come mm. round on that song over the years. Um, mm. But what I am going to ask you, Simon, is do you, are you aware of the remix by DJ Muggs in what? 1992. <laughs> There's can a you remix. find it for us, please? There is a remix. Uh, the song apparently was remixed by DJ Muggs in 1992 mm. for the later cancelled Basic Queen Bootlegs competition. Mm-hmm. What do you know about it? I, I don't. I've never the heard basic it. Basic Bootlegs. Yeah, like you, I was aware of it, but um, I don't think I've heard it. Let me see if I can find it for us. Here we go. So Freddie Mercury... Featuring Son Doobie of Funk Dubious. Don't Try Suicide, Grandmaster <laughs> Muggs Remix. Amazing. No idea what this is going to be like. One, two, three, four, one. Suicide, suicide, don't do it. Yeah. Suicide, suicide, don't do it. Yeah. It's horrible so fast. <laughs> Why is it so slow? You sound like they're in... Oh, sleepy. Yes, now we're talking. <laughs> From Grandmaster Muggs to Grandmaster Flash in an instant. This is amazing. Oh. Right, no, I'm sorry. How we're, have we're, I not had this in my life? We sorry. are not <laughs> playing a song that says, Don't try suicide, you all. That's just wrong. <laughs> you on all? so many levels. That's the best ever Queen song. <laughs> yes, yes. That is now my favourite song on the album. It's my Queen de la Queen. This is how Queen was meant to be heard. That was a total joyful surprise. Thank you very much. Well done, team. <laughs> Listen, producer Sam, I think it's time to play a game. Play the game, play the game, play the game. This week our question is from Anya. Hi, Anya. And Anya has a hypothetical for you guys. Uh, Anya would like you to imagine that you had all four members of Queen over for a dinner party. Oh, my God. What would you serve? How would you decorate the room? Would you get out all your Queen memorabilia? Would you play it cool? Is there a dress code? And who else, if anyone, would you invite? Oh, I'm no, breaking out in hives in just thinking dinner, about it. Yeah. <laughs> the stress. I, just, I can't get over the actual hypothetical. I, before I even, I've just got bees in my head right now. I'm too <laughs> excited that all four members of Queen are over at my house having dinner. Sushi, they like sushi. That'll do. A little, a little man hiding under ham. That's what they, <laughs> man that's what they like. <laughs> <laughs> What's that story by Gary Newman where they took him to a sushi restaurant? Oh yeah, and he didn't. He wasn't eating, and Freddie went, "Why aren't you eating, Dean?" Oh, I, don't, I don't really like sushi. It was a really fancy sushi restaurant, and Freddie went, "Well, what do you like?" He sort of went McDonald's, and Freddie went and got got his driver to go and get oh. him like, all the McDonald's that he could possibly <laughs> eat, and talk to the owner of the restaurant. We're going to let this man eat his McDonald's in your restaurant. <laughs> that happened. <laughs> that was on this podcast. Did, where did we hear that story? Who told us that? That was, that was good. It was a good story, wasn't it? I kind, of, <laughs> I kind of feel that if you invited Queen over for dinner, 
they would sort of, like, Freddie would turn up with at least three bottles of champagne for the evening. You know? Yeah. Um, Roger would bring his own chef, you know. Um, <laughs> Brian would probably have a fine selection of cheeses in a hamper <laughs> in his guitar case. I don't know. That's what I'm kind of thinking. And then, I don't know. John, I feel like John's very much a sort of shepherd's pie kind of guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know if he's into the fine dining. Um, yeah, go on, guys. What, what have you got? What, what would you do if Queen were around for tea? Well, I don't think you could you could talk about Queen, could you? I could just imagine, you know, Freddie going, "Oh, let's, don't don't worry about that. It's boring, boring, boring." You know, so you'd have to sort of you'd have to come up with a list of things, topics to sort of try and work into the conversation beforehand to keep it going because they're not going to you know they're not going to sit there and go, "So how did you come up with Bohemian Rhapsody?" Then you know, just, <laughs> you know, they're not interested in that. Um, I think they're more down to earth. Probably put an opera dvd on in a room just in the background just so that freddie's you know catered for um that's a nice touch you know just oh that oh that yeah. thing oh i often have that going in the background why do you like <laughs> opera you know that kind of thing <laughs> will it turn out to be the barcelona album yeah exactly that's the only opera album i've got yeah exactly <laughs> It's this guy. I just thought you'd enjoy some opera, Freddie. Yeah. <laughs> I hear you like Montserrat Caballé. <laughs> oh. What about you, Suze? Are you just bringing them little um, bottles of water just periodically? No, that... I, like, I, I'm a bit of a cocktail specialist, so I probably serve Ooh. up. Uh, I make. There's a cocktail I make. Right, I've got the ingredients here. I'm not going to make it, but they are right next to me. Right. Why so are they right it's... next to you? Because I had to make them for my podcast earlier in the week. Okay, right. Okay, uh, that, all right. So okay. this is right. So you got this is Cafe Patron, which is um, delicious. Ca- coffee tequila, coffee, tequila yeah. and filthy smoke, which is my favourite smoked Scotch whiskey. Oh my um, god! That looks and awesome. it's equal parts of those over ice. It's called a Thin Lizzy. And that's um, good for Queen, isn't it? Uh, that's good. And I'd go, hey, guys, this is, of Queen. this is a cocktail. It's called a Thin Lizzy. And then I'd serve up a few of those. I think by the time we'd had four or five, um, every, everyone would be loose. What I'd have in the oven, uh, I'd have l- just like a couple of lasagnas because you can pre-make a lasagna, can't you? <laughs> yeah, nice. So just whack them in the oven, bake potatoes, good with lasagna, and just a big... S- salad you can buy bagged salad and add a bit of dressing and eat, put it in sure. a big bowl there sure. you go there's main so you're course. looking at how to have queen round on a budget no not so much on a budget <laughs> but just like it shouldn't be all about the bells and whistles sure. at the end of the day everyone should just have a good night mm. and then for for dessert probably just like buy a really big cheesecake and again it doesn't need any prep you just slice it put it on a plate Bring it in. That way, the evening's not... You, all you have to think about is having a good time rather nice. than, oh, my... I, don't, I can't cook, so I don't know. My macaroons. You don't have to think about any of that if all you've done is bought, like, a big cheesecake for dessert. Yeah. And there you go. And then just get on with the chats. Yeah. 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 And, you know, it's nicely oiled with a few thin lizzies. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got a question about the thin Lizzie. Yeah, you, you said that you take the whiskey and the patron, yeah, and you put it in the glass in equal measures. Yeah, is equal there parts. any other element to that cocktail? No, ice. Yeah, yeah, you Not shake you. it. Up. You shake it up over ice. Shake it up over ice. Yeah, is that technically a cocktail if you just yes. put two spirits together in a glass? Yeah, there's no mixer. No, that, <laughs> it's yeah, that's incredibly alcoholic. It is. 
Is it tasty? It's so good. Is it? it? Is, is it? Okay. Yeah, it right. is amazing. Right, it's right. such a good cocktail. All right. uh, yeah, but you serve it up like a um, in a, in a martini glass. Can you use any whiskey, or does it have to be a smoked whiskey? You can use a um, an Irish whiskey as well. Right, okay. You See, Simon, that, this is what I'll be but, chatting uh, to Freddie and stuff about. Well, I yeah, well, they'd probably to... be well into all this, so, yeah. Yeah, they'd you know. Love it. I want to revise my answer, actually, and say, hypothetically, yeah. if I had the four come over to dinner when they arrived, I'd say, hey, guys, let's go round to Susie's. And I'd just give, <laughs> give her a call. She's going to make we're on our way. Easy. How long would it take you to knock yeah. up a couple of lasagnas and a cheesecake? I'll go, no yeah. time at all. I've got pre-made lasagnas all the time. Yeah. Just hanging around. I'll just get one out. For dinner guests, I'd have all three of you with me, and then yeah. I'd have John in the kitchen. <laughs> John in the kitchen? <laughs> Why, what's he doing in the kitchen? Listening to Frank Zappa. Doing all the prep. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's one. Perfect. <sighs> That's how I'd do it. That's how I do John, it. He'd only John's be crying like, if he was John's the like, the lasagnas are done. <laughs> we go, thanks, John. That's all we need. Cheers, mate. All the Thank best. You. And, then I, and then I come in, plate up, say, and bring bring the plates in with lasagna and put them down and say, hey, guys, there you go. Help yourselves to salad. Who wants half a baked potato? Who wants a whole one? Yeah. And then just big tub of Lurpak in the middle for put butter on. Uh, yeah, it's just easier that way. Just, just don't, yeah. don't faff. It's it should be about night. the chat. Yeah. See? So, Anya, what you've learnt today from your brilliant listener question is not only would be would Queen be fantastic to have round for dinner, but so would the Queen Pod Quartet. <laughs> <laughs> have us round, Anya. Yeah. Um, brilliant. If you want us to uh, uh, discuss uh, a hypothetical or an actual why don't you email us a question uh, to queenpod at queenpodcast.com and producer Sam may well select it and offer it to us to ruin for you on this very pod. Should we get back to the music? Yes. Yay. We're now on a sad Queen song, which is Sail Away Sweet Sister, brackets to the sister I never had by Brian May. Uh, now, I think we might have talked about this one on... Um, there was one pod where I think I was talking about John Deacon bass lines and I picked a bit out from this track. Um, but uh, let's listen to how this song kind of fades out um, and listen to what our dear John Deacon is doing on his bass line. <laughs>
proper bass solo, utterly beautiful. Mm. And I, I don't, I don't know that I was necessarily aware that bassists could even do that. Like the song when mm. I was watching it, obviously. But um, it's gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. Uh, go on, Simon. Why don't you go first this time and have a chat about Sail Away, sweet star. Well, it's it's a lovely tune. It's it's classic Brian, isn't it? Um, beautiful sort of ballad um, with some very heartfelt lyrics. And the only thing I really have to say about it is, uh, as I have a sister, just be careful what you wish for, Mister May. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean you said that. that no, she's listening. You met my sister. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no Christmas presents for you. No, she's marvelous. <laughs> but. Uh, no, no she is it, marvelous. It um, it's just that it's just a, such a sad sentiment. Is the sister I never had? It's yeah. a really sweet thing. Yeah, yeah. How about you, Suze? Oh, it's lovely. Yeah, it it's one of those. Um, it's a real like Queen fans' favorite. People really love Sail Away, Sweet Sister. If they're a proper it's Queen fan, in that thirty nine bracket. Yeah, yeah. And Brian, like with thirty nine, Brian sounds great singing it. Um, and I'm always really delighted when it starts. You go, oh yes, yeah, Soloway Sweet Sisters coming on. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. And I like, I really like that uh, Freddie comes in with the bridge, which is just a really cool choice. It keeps a song that is is very Brian. It makes it very Queen. Yes. That you hear all the yes. different elements in the band are on this song. Um, it brings a fresh also, emotion in at that point as well. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, because Brian easily could have sung that bit. Every time you think this song has peaked and you've got a handle on what it does, they throw in something else that's even better. Um, and I'm slightly embarrassed that the song I always use as an example for that is The New Radicals, You Only Get What You Give. <laughs> that's another song that every time you go, oh, wow, this song has peaked, they, there's another bit and it's even it better. It's up another level. Um, yeah, and it's, and yeah, so yeah. This is like the new radicals. You only get what you give. I said what I said, uh, and and I, I I absolutely love this intro. It's uh, outro, even it's one of my favourite Queen outros. It is incredible. Even you're right. Even within that, the uh, the baseline keeps surprising. Yeah, keeps taking you on and on and on. And um, yeah, it's a song uh, that never settles. Ooh, like the sea. Yeah, yeah. But it's oh. <laughs> Ooh, that was a good observation right there. Uh, but, but also, it's so melodic. Yeah. This is so much full of tune. <laughs> so full of yeah, tune. Yeah, it's really gorgeous. It really, uh, like, it, it sort of burns. That's a beautiful way of putting it. It is, and it aches as well. Um, mm. It wasn't really played live very much, but um, Brian did play it when he toured Another World, which I would have loved ah, to have seen. Right. Oh, yeah. Um, and apparently... Guns N' Roses also uh, uh, played it live at once, and uh, you can find that on YouTube if you have a look. Um, it's been sampled. It's been sampled oh. by Das EFX on their 98-track Change. So you can find that if you go looking for you, for it on YouTube. Do you want to listen to a bit of that? I haven't heard any of that. You can have a listen. Play a bit of that if you want. <laughs> That's kind of cool. I'm kind of down with that. Don't mind that. Yeah, it's good. Good little head nodder. Mm. Why not? Mm. Why not? Indeed. 
yes, and I think it's a ve- it is a very emotional song, and uh, it is one of those songs that really pings on this album and really pings on the back catalogue. Yeah. Uh, outside of those greatest hits, which again is why we're doing this pod is to shine a light on how much good music there is in their canon. Mm. All right. Tell you what, it's coming soon. so much time for this track because it's a Roger track but I love it but I, I don't know I don't know how you guys feel about it Suze what do you think about coming soon it's it comes under the category which is not an insult of uh, like motorway queen <laughs> it's really oh, perfect like top it's perfect queen. motorway music yeah <laughs> yeah I, I, I like I like uh, coming soon I, I hear in this track again you hear you go oh yeah I can see where hot space started to You're be born to I think form, right. um yeah we're definitely not in the and 70s the anymore well, yeah 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 mm. we we've definitely yeah, sort of left the 70s ourselves. we're coming soon um I like I like everything about it I think coming soon is a fun song but it's also a song that once it's done I've forgotten about it oh really okay <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 it's I, just a touch disposable just disposable pop my dear that's yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah and yeah like, I like if it comes on, I don't go, ugh. <laughs> it's not a song that I go, oh, God, you've got to hear coming soon. Oh, really? No, I used to do that to my mates all the time. <laughs> yeah, I've got time for coming soon. Uh, there's something going on with the, the whole drum sound on this track. Is it syncopation? I don't know what it is. There must be a fancy word for it. But as a percussionist, there's something. Is there, like, double layering? Are they in harmonics or anything? Is it just stand? Because it, it just has that. Sam, could you just play the very top of the track again, just very quickly for me? I didn't play the beginning, but the way these drums come in, have a listen to this. It's very Roxy music, actually, isn't it, Suze? This yeah. one as well is kind of Roxy Roger's music. having a Roxy music yeah. time on, the, on yeah. this album. <laughs> but there's this sort of sheen on those drums, this sort of sound mm. around them. What is that, buddy? I'm th- I don't is that mean... one of them thunder-shaky things? No, I don't think it's necessarily in the drums. I think it is the way that it's been recorded. And we spoke, didn't we, last time, that one of the innovations that Mac brought to it was that he mic'd the drums up differently to how you know they'd been done under the Roy Thomas sort of Baker era um mm, and mm, I think that's a that's a lot of the reason why bands were going to music land at the time because they were getting this very specific sound um and so that's what was attracting people to the studio so I think it is just the way that it's 
it's sort of recorded and done. I, unfortunately, I don't enough about recording techniques to know, but it's a very different sound to how we've heard Roger before, for sure. Um, mm. And uh, I think he's having fun with it. Yeah, I think it might be a nice opportunity to just sort of explore how Roger does the drums on the tracks that he kind of writes. And he, I mean, I know he shares totally shares the lead vocals with Freddie on this track, but, mm. you know, I'm always curious when they're writing... Well, particularly with Roger, when he's writing songs, he does write songs that gives him a lot of fun to do on the drums as well as sing, right? Like he's he's created fun for himself. Did you did you find yourself as a young drummer to like playing along with Coming Soon? I tried, but <laughs> it's just it's really hard. Well, he, yeah, I mean, he's it, it's hard to get the speed that that Roger gets. But maintain the precision that he gets that's the thing and the musicality he's got it all and that's what makes him up but then it's the same as if you're a guitarist and you you pick up the guitar and after six weeks wondering why you don't sound like brian may right. it's it's sort of um it, it's hard i mean yeah with practice you can get close but what you couldn't then do is do that for two hours on stage that's that's the thing it's um so what is that how do you are you just born with the gift to get to that level is it that kind of genius like a ronnie uh, ronnie o'sullivan with a snooker cue you know it's i think Tiger Woods with a golf club it's it's an interesting one actually i think there are there are there are phases you go through first you you have to have an innate sense of timing and yeah. rhythm and you have to have the ability to make your each of your limbs do something different at the same time at different sort of points and mm. i think I think that is something that you you just have in you. Some people just don't have it and they can't do it and therefore drumming will always be beyond them. Then you can learn and you can learn techniques. You can learn how to hold the sticks, how to, you know, bounce them and move them so that they do what you want them to do. And that can take you to a next level. But then what happens then is is how emotionally you you sort of express pour yourself. that express that and that you right. can't teach I, I do remember my drum teacher scratching his head with one kid that he was teaching he said technically he's brilliant he said there's nothing I can teach him so I say to him okay you've done it now technically correct now just loosen up feel it play it yeah. how how you feel it and he'd play it exactly the same every single time and he right. couldn't understand where he was going wrong. He's saying, well, you're not wrong because technically it's perfect. But where's the the connection, the emotion? And that's and I think that is something that some some people have that their creative side of their brain mm. gives them that. But I don't think, that's, I think that's, that's, in, that's across everything, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's in every field. Like it's it's unfortunately is just having the X factor. It, mm. I've, I'll tell you where, where it comes in. Bloody bloody dressage <laughs> yeah like my that's my mum's job she works she she's a dressage rider and trainer and when you watch the top olympic horses and riders it's there's there'll be one thing that you can't quite put your finger on that the gold medal winning horse for the last 20 years you'll go oh they've just got something extra yeah. it's mm. really crazy and that's in a very a, you know dressage is kind of impenetrable if you've never had any experience of it but that's in a sport that is 
so much about precision and it will be one small thing that that combination that horse rider combination's got that you can't quite put your finger on that just elevates them slightly above the rest and they get yeah. the gold medal yeah and, and like that's what and that's what Freddie had and that's what well that's what every member of Queen has it is. there's something it is. just that little something extra I'm sure there's loads of people who well Mark Martell can mimic Freddie perfectly. Mark mm. Martell isn't the greatest frontman who ever lived. No, there's, no, there's something point. extra that Freddie's got. Isn't it just amazing that you've got a drummer, a guitarist, a bassist yeah. and a singer and they all came together and... Yes, they and found, found each a other way to work and together. they melded perfectly yeah. musically. Yeah. It's extraordinary. It's a miracle. That's it why is. there's not a hundred queens. There's There's one. Yeah. And why there's... Millions of us. Millions of us. <laughs> yes. We are an army. We are an army. Well, what a beautiful chat to have about the mighty Roger Taylor, the virtuoso uh, drummer that he is. <laughs> sure. I wonder how sure. good Roger would be at dressage. I reckon he'd be pretty good at it, actually. It, uh, yeah, it'd be, it'd be interesting to see. Mm. It's amazing the sort of people who have absolutely zero aptitude for anything on a horse. <laughs> <laughs> He's guaranteed to blow our minds, Suze. It's Simon Says! Hooray! Yay! Well, here's a thing for you. Now, um... It, it, that's what I love about doing this podcast is we're we're all learning something new all, all the time, aren't we? And um, you recall uh, a wonderful album called uh, Made in Heaven that was released posthumously after Freddie had passed away, which was built up of songs that the band were able to construct using the last recordings that Freddie did, plus some solo songs, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and I didn't realise that the song It's a Beautiful Day started with this recording session for the game. Mm. That's where Freddie laid the it lyric, did, and right? I never knew Swan that. Song. I don't know how I missed that. Deluxe version. Right. So, yeah, so they took the vocal from this session, added their own stuff to it, and um, and gave us It's a Beautiful Day. But there is um, a version of It's a Beautiful Day, which is just the original vocal um, oh. with a little track from this recording session. And I thought it just might be nice to listen to that song with in our minds, all the songs around it that were being recorded at the time. So this is where Freddie was vocally at the time of his career, etc. When It's a Beautiful Day began its journey, and I thought that might be fun to listen to. Yep. It's a beautiful day The sun is shining Stop me now Oh yeah It's a beautiful day Feel so sad, so sad, so bad. But no one's gonna stop me now. No one. It's hopeless, so hopeless. 
That's on the it. deluxe version, isn't it? Of game yeah, it is. Yeah. Ah. I just, so nice. just passed me by and I just thought, although it's exactly the same lyric that then appears in the track, just thinking, okay, it was 1980 when he did this. Yeah. yeah. Did you say you just love catching that little bit of Freddie chatting? They're so precious, those little moments. I know. Yeah. yeah, and so little of it exists. Yeah. It? yeah. Because nowadays, yeah. Every, every bit of studio chat, they'll keep it because there's unlimited space. Yeah. In, well, it's all relative, isn't it? But yeah, you, they like you have to save the tape. But now, yeah, back then there was so little of like these outtakes of. The, I like all the stuff where they're um, laughing and when they've messed stuff up and stuff. That's cool yeah, to have. Of yeah, yeah. There are some great moments like that. Yeah. yeah. But they are precious, as you say. Thank you for bringing us that, by the way, Simon. Very <laughs> good. It's very lovely. Um, but uh, the way the piano kind of opens that sort of dun, 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 the bit at the beginning. It really put me in mind of, um, so there's a, I don't know if you know, but it's not raga, it's raga, Indian classical music, ragas. Oh, and you right. hear sort of sitars and harmoniums at the beginning of these kind of ragas, these long songs. I think there's a uh, something like a 10-parent scale that it's all based on. Right. It's a bit like do, re, mi, but slightly different, I'm not sure. Uh-huh. Kind of, I'm not musical enough to really know about it. But it, it they they always sort of have that little settling moment as they begin the raga and then they'll come back to that little settling moment and that's when you just strip it back to just piano and freddie you're hearing these little it's actually got this strangely exotic feel to it that i've never really picked up on before so thank you for that simon wow that'd be good let us talk about the final song on the album. It is, of course, The Mighty Save Me, a huge single. Uh, we did talk about this in length a couple of times, actually. We talked about it on the Greatest Hits mini-pod, uh, episode eight of that. And obviously, we talked about the beautiful music video that had mm. animations running on it. If yes. you haven't checked that out, do check it out. This beautifully animated uh, um, and live-action blend of... Uh, than playing, we did that in season two, episode three, when we ranked the Queen music videos. It did very well, I think, on that ranking. Um, let's listen to the opening of this beautiful song because I played the back end on the mini pod. Let's hear the opening. It started off so well. Said we made a perfect pair. So something I didn't get time to do on the mini pod, uh, which I'd love to do here, which is just run through how the top ten was when Save Me came out. Yes, you like this game? You yeah. Like this game? 
So, uh, obviously, we're doing the UK single charts because we're in the UK. Uh, but yes, the week beginning the 10th of February, uh, 1980, Save Me peaked at number 11. So here's the full top 10 chart rundown. That's the week that Save Me was at number 11. At 10, My Girl by Madness. How can I hear like Bruno Brooks music going in the background? Right. Nine, Babe by Styx. Uh, eight, I Hear You Now by John and Van Gellis. Seven, It's Different for Girls by Joe Jackson. Don't know what that's about. Mm-hmm. Um, six, And the Beat Goes On by The Weiss Whispers. Uh, five, Captain Beaky Wilfred, slash Wilfred Weasel by Captain Beaky. I'm guessing that's a novelty single. Four, Someone's Looking at You, the Boomtown Rats. Three, I'm in the Mood for Dancing by the Nolans. Uh, two, mm. Too Much Too Young by the Specials. Uh, and number one, Coward of the County by Kenny Rogers. So big hitters that week, I think, in that top ten. Yeah, but Save Me better, should have though. been higher than that. It should have been. What you, were people thinking in should have been a minimum third. No, Definitely. it should have been minimum number three. Minimum. But yeah. I wonder, you know, like around that time we were just moving, you know, Electronica was going. It was. It was about to get right. New wave. It was all happening, and it was all. There was massive transformation from that shedding of the seventies and the grey of the seventies, and moving into that colour pop of the eighties. Mm. And um, it's interesting whether Save Me. May have because it felt it feels like a more traditional Queen song. Mm. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, and I wonder if it maybe did great for all the Queen fans and 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 music fans, of course. But you know the the new thing that was happening. You know, we were about to. You mm. know, I think Duran Duran and all that kind of stuff was starting to kick off around then. Wasn't mm-hmm. it? Human League. Yeah, and this such. feels like it could have come out five years earlier. Yeah. Which yeah. is no bad thing, obviously. But yeah, it it, it in the same way as we've coming soon we've just had coming soon and that couldn't have come out in the 70s whereas this mm. feels like it really could have come out in the 70s mm. Mm-hmm. and also we're often asked uh, or we often discuss songs that brian sings on what it would be like if it was sung by freddie will save me is that song like mm. it is a, a very brian song and Freddie just yes. does it so beautifully, you know. Yeah. And everyone's like, we often go, oh, "Well, Freddie's too big for that." And he's he's not. He's not. He can do anything. It's just that there are certain songs that are served nicely by Brian's voice and served nicely by Roger's voice. Mm. But they're also it's always just magical when Freddie sings. Isn't it? <laughs> he's just mm. the yeah. greatest. He's just mm-hmm. the greatest. Um, yeah, I love it's interesting. it. Interesting. So Brian, up when wrote, it, yeah, go on. Sorry. Sorry. No, yeah. so I just looked uh, up when it was. When it came out, as you said, it came, that was the in February, wasn't it? The, the chart. So the the song "Save yeah. Me" was released on its own, literally. You know, a crazy little thing had been released in October the previous year, and mm. then the right. the game didn't come until May, end of May. So oh, wow, it did ah, just sort of. Right. Ca- I think it was probably just lobbed out there and left to fend for itself, which I see <laughs> probably didn't have much support in terms of promotion and and so forth as well. Oh, it didn't have an album coming around it as well. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Um, but great video though, as we said. Beautiful, yeah. absolutely beautiful song. So Brian wrote this song as a tribute to a friend whose relationship had recently ended. Um, and possibly, we're not entirely sure about this, but because we never know about these things, but it possibly referred to uh, the end of a uh, relationship that Freddie had just been through. But he said about writing the song, he said, uh, I wrote Save Me, to cut a long story short, I wrote it about a friend, someone who was going through a bad time, and I imagined myself in their shoes, kind of telling the story, someone whose relationship is totally... <laughs> 
and how sad that person was. And he plays most of the instruments on the track, including all the acoustics, the electric guitars, the piano, and the synth. Um, yeah, beautiful. Yeah, absolutely beautiful. Amazing. Amazing song. Anything else we'd like to say about Save Me? <laughs> I think we've we've talked about it so much, haven't we? But it just yeah. every time I hear it, I go, God, it's so heartrending. Yeah, it's so good. It's got that. It's, it's unquantifiable as a ballad because it's so yeah. heavy as well. Yeah, yeah, that's it. It rocks out, but and yeah. you don't think about how much it rocks out. You don't think of you think of Save Me as a real pedback song. Uh, yeah. yeah. Still a stadium Only track. Queen can do a track like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's so distinctive, their sound. Mm. Yeah, amazing. I don't know how they did it. All right. It is time, boys and girls, for the Queen de la Queen. Made in heaven. Made in heaven. Are you ready? Yes. yes. Are you ready? So this is what we do at the end of every album side is we each pick a track on the album that isn't featured on Greatest Hits for our favourite. Whichever wins goes into our Queen de la Queen playlist, which is out on Spotify. You can track that down very easily. Um, But I would like to know... So basically, Save Me, you've got that in the bank. That's all safe. Out of the remaining tracks on this side of the album, Suze, which one's your favourite? I'm going to pick Sail Away, Sweet Sister. Mm, I thought you might. It's beautiful. Great choice. Uh, how about you, Simon? It's an easy one for me this week. Uh, it's Rocket. Rocket Prime Jive. Rocket Prime Jive. Very straightforward. Yeah, yeah. Very straightforward. Uh, and we have contacted John to ask ah. what his answer is. But I'd like to ask you two which one you think he's picked. Oh. <laughs> mm. I think he might have gone for Sail Away, Sweet Sister as well, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll guess yeah. that as well. Yeah, he loves songs to cry to. It's mm-hmm. true. So <laughs> I was shocked when he told us "Rocket Prime Jive," ah. wow. which is also my choice, yo. Oh. So I feel slightly bad, Suze, because in a way you're right, but it's Rocket <laughs> Prime Jive that's going it's in the, the Queen What a great game. Now, if you had to pick one, this is just for free, just for fun, Suze, yeah. if you had to pick one track out of the whole album, what's your favourite track? The one track that you want to pull into your playlist from the whole album? I think Sail Away, Sweet Sister. Oh, lovely. Yeah, fair yeah. play to you. Fair play to you. How about you, Simon? Oh, see, now now this has got hard. <laughs> yes. Yes, you, you, you've been cruising this this season, not not racking your brains too much. No. But now, pick no. one track off this album, The Game. Oh, man. How long have I got to think about this? <laughs> well, we haven't hour? got John's answer. Um, we haven't got John's answer, so I can give you my answer if it helps. No, because I know what your answer is, and that's that's the one that I'm... You might not torn with um no i'm going to stick between? i'm going to i'm stuck between rocket which i think i'm going to go with yeah. because it Good. like i say i have such vivid memories of it at the time 
but it, the, yeah, it was, it's what you started your mixtape with. Yeah, it was. So I should go with that. I'm going to go with that. Yeah. But Dragon yeah, Attack has marrows. Dragon Attack has pushed it right to the limit. Yeah, like you could for you personally, you can have uh, a single with Rocket Prime Jive on the A side and Dragon oh. Attack on the B side. Oh yeah, you. or even a double A side. How about being greedy? There oh go. no, I'm, I've got that. Oh okay, it's a double A side. It's got Dragon Attack on both sides. <laughs> 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 So you can't have that. Sorry. It's already sold out. So there you have it. Another wonderful Queen pod brought to a fantastic and slick close by yours truly. (laughs) So send us your stories, your questions. Queenpod at thequeenpodcast.com. We do want to hear from you. We are going to base a lot of our chatter over what you send us. It is important. Um, uh, definitely uh, comment at the Queen Pod on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Go along and look at our uh, Queen Pod fan page. Uh, it's good fun there. Uh, have you guys got anything you want to plug? Anything going on in your lives that's fun? Oh. Given we spoke about dressage a bit, I have to talk about the fact that Sue's doing a video about how to get on a horse. It's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Go find that because it's great. <laughs> I've done two two dressage based sketches for BT Sport. They shouldn't have asked me if they didn't want that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and now they've learned. Um, <laughs> yes, and uh, do please uh, give us a star rating uh, on your pl- podcast platform. It makes a difference to all kinds of things behind the scenes. It is good times. Um, other than that, all it leaves me to say is thank you so much to producer Sam, to Suze, and to Simon, and for me. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. This has been The Queen Pod, a Seven Seas Films production. Edited and produced by me, Sam Easton. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and stay in touch by emailing queenpod at thequeenpodcast.com Thanks for listening and see you next time. Thank you.